Exodus chapter 24. And uh, we've been uh, looking at a, a group of lessons here out of uh, the previous chapter and this chapter, um, calling it Follow the Leader. We saw last week that we were supposed to follow the Lord. He talked about, he said, I will send my angel. And uh, we saw that that is the personification of God, the Shekinah glory of God, if you will, and uh, that they were to take and to follow him. Uh, in Exodus chapter 25, that's where it kind of talks about that. If you're in Exodus 24, keep yourself there. But look at Exodus 25, verse 8. And the Bible says, uh, it says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. That word dwell there is, is Shekinah. And, uh, and so if you will, he's talking about, I will remain amongst you. I will lead you. I will guide you. If you remember, he said, I will drive out the inhabitants of the land like a hornet, if you will. And uh, that they would slowly, if you will, begin to take and to fill the land as they removed uh, the inhabitants there. In very many ways, that's a picture of, of salvation, how that God takes and he, he leads us and he guides us and he changes us and he drives out those old enemies. And if we'll let him, slowly but surely, he'll take and he'll conform our, conf our character to be like the image of Christ. And, uh, and so we saw that the, the last time that we looked at that. Now today we want to take and, and look at chapter 24, beginning in verse 1. And the Bible says this, it says, And he said unto Moses, Come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu, and the seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh. Uh, neither shall the people go up with him. Uh, let's pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you for the privilege to sing your praises this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to open your word. We just pray that you would uh, open the understanding to us. Lord, help us to apply it to our lives. And uh, Lord, help us to be faithful hearers, but not just hearers, but doers of your word. Father, bless all that is done today. Be with those who are apart from us and, and just bless those uh, who are able to be here. We love you and we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. And so if you will, this week he begins instructing the leaders of the people. In verse 1 there, he, he takes and he names all the leaders. He says... Uh, uh, the ones that were to come up to him. Now, uh, ultimately, they came up into the mountain. He received the Ten Commandments and everything that. God was, uh, he was with uh, Moses there 40 days and 40 nights. And you remember they took, and even in this passage here, they says, all that thou commandest, we will do. And so, if you will, the people are committed. Lord, whatever you tell us to do, we're going to do it. And uh, that'll be another lesson for another day. But uh, the whole point is this, is there's, God is saying, follow me, okay, but I'm also going to give you some people to take and to follow, okay? Now, I will tell you this, that as Christians, we need to follow the Lord, amen? But God has also given some people to follow, okay? And so he describes them here. And, and, and so the first thing that we see, God's appointed leaders here. In verse 1 again, the first thing is, is Moses. And if you will, he is the prophet, and as a prophet, think about this. A lot of times we give titles and we, we, we fail to remember what the distinction is, what the meaning is with the title. And so he is a prophet. Well, what does that mean? Well, you follow a prophet. Well, okay. But literally a prophet is, is somebody who in this capacity, he gave the word of God. Amen. And then it was he who had final determination if they were following it properly, meaning he was also their, their final or their ultimate judge. All right. 
Meaning this, he gave the Ten Commandments and then he judged the Ten Commandments, all right? And so in, 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 later in the, in the Old Testament, the office of a judge, that's kind of what they did. God spoke to them and then they judged the people, okay? And so, if you will, they gave the Word of God and then they, they confronted the people when they did or didn't uh, take and follow the Word of God uh, appropriately. And so that's what a judge is. And if you think about it, that is a, a wonderful picture of Christ as our, what? First off, lawgiver. Does, does Jesus give us laws? You know, a lot of times you don't associate laws with, with Jesus, amen? But Jesus certainly gave us laws. Uh, just like, if you will, Moses gave the Ten Commandments. Think about this, if you can. Answer me if you can. When did Jesus give laws very similar to the Ten Commandments? When did he give laws similar to the Ten Commandments? Yes, Sermon on the Mount, that's exactly right. And so at the Sermon on the Mount, and you remember the thing that's interesting, in a sense, the Ten Commandments are the bare minimums of what God expected, okay? And so when the Sermon on the Mount comes, Jesus, as the lawgiver, and by the way, he was, he was you know, talking to Moses on that mountain as God, amen? And so as the lawgiver, he took and, and he said, blessed are those who, and then he talks about how that he wants people to follow those laws in his kingdom. Those laws, if you will, are given to us in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. It's the longest sermon in the Bible. It's the longest account of the words of Jesus in the Bible. And it's very interesting if you have a red letter Bible. I mean, it starts in chapter 5 and goes to the end of chapter 7, and all the words are read. Okay? And so, if you will, uh, Jesus then becomes a lawgiver. Uh, I want you to go to the end of that portion of Scripture to see something. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Okay? Go to Matthew chapter 7, and look at verses 28 and 29. And the Bible says this, And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. And not just because of what he preached, but how he preached it. Notice verse 29. Verse 29 is where it says, He taught them as one having, help me now, what's the word? Authority, amen, and not as the scribes. See, the scribes came up and said, well, we think it means this, thinks it means that. And Jesus says, do this. You've heard in old times how it had been said that uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. And, and he, says, he says, but I say unto thee that if a man looks upon a woman to lust after her in her heart, that he has committed adultery with her already. Folks, he wasn't uh, taking and, 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 if you will, giving his interpretation. He was saying, I'm commanding you. Listen, it's more than just the physical act. It's what's in your heart. And so, if you will, he commanded the people of God, just like Moses did. In a sense, they gave the Ten Commandments. Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount in, in very many ways. Uh, those were his commandments. But then also, if you will, Moses took and he acted as a judge. If you will, he was the court of final appeal meaning there was no higher court. You, you guys know this, that we have a court system that you can go through the state system, then the federal system, and then ultimately have what at the top? The Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court has, if you will, the obligation to take and to interpret finally whatever the law is, and then it's passed down and says you will implement it like this, okay? And so that's what Moses did. You remember that, that, uh, that uh, his father-in-law took it. He says, you take too much on yourself. He says, you'll, you'll wear out. You can't, you can't keep doing this. You can't take every case. I mean, they'll wear you out. 
He says, so what you'll do, and we'll talk about this here in a second. Uh, he says, you find men who can take care of the little cases, and when something can't be resolved, have them bring the big cases to you, okay? And so as a judge, he, he did, he, stood, uh, he sat as a judge, and he took uh, uh, as that final court of uh, appeal, if you will. Well, folks, think about this. When is the last judgment going to take place? And who is going to be the one doing the judging? So there's a lot of ways to look at it. You could take it and you say, well, the tribulation. And by the way, does he, he judges the devil. He judges Antichrist. He judges Israel. Uh, he, he, there's a number of things that he judges. And then, of course, for a thousand years, he rules and he reigns on the throne on high. And, and uh, we'll talk about that here a little bit more. But he disseminates judgment to others and no doubt takes care of the big ones. And then, of course, comes the end. And in the end, there's the great white throne judgment. Okay? Now, I want you to think about this. Why is that the last judgment? And the reason for that is, folks, all of our sins have already been judged. I don't know about you. This is a Baptist church. That would be a real good place for an amen. <laughs> Y'all are tired today. No, you're not. You're not. That would be a good place for an amen because you're the beneficiary of that. Folks, all of our sins have already been judged on Jesus Christ. And if you've been forgiven, they've been forgiven. Folks, I got to tell you, praise the Lord. In a sense, he was, he was, if you will, the accused there only because he took his sins upon us. And then his own father took and executed the judgment. Amen. Turning his back on him for what we say three hours. But folks, how do you define when an infinite father turns his back on an infinite son? Time doesn't matter. It's the separation that matters. You guys understand that? And so, if you will, the, the tremendous judgment of our sin has already been taking place. That's why we ought to be living grateful lives where the, where the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, the judgment has taken place. Why live with the guilt? Why live with the shame? Amen. If the, if, if the son shall make you free, you should be free indeed. Free from that. Amen. I don't know about you. I, that's almost worse. Another amen. <laughs> Aren't you glad? What a wonderful thing. God has taken and he has judged our sins already. That's why we're not worried about the final judgment. Now, we are going to have a judgment for rewards, okay, and for that. And that there will be loss and there will be tears, amen. But I, I will say this, it's, it's not that ultimate judgment, amen. Well, that takes place, and you know this. Uh, the Bible says in, in Revelation, go there if you will, Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, look at verse 11. And the Bible says, and I saw a great white throne. And by the way, if you ever go into a courtroom and have to face a judge, he's always going to be, in, in, in a sense, on a throne. He's a, they call it a bench, but what is it? I mean, think about it. They, they rise and they stand and they give honor to him, amen. They take and they obey his commands. He's in total control of that court, amen. And so, if you will, in a sense, that's what's going on here. The Bible says, A great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Why? Because God can't have sin in their presence. They all wanted to be like Adam and Eve and get out of there. You all see that? Verse 12, it says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened. 
which is the book of life. You say, well, what are the books? The Bible says, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. Meaning this, God's writing a book of our lives. Okay? Now, having said that, why does that not account for us? Because we received redemption. You guys understand? God took all that on him. All those things written against us were put on him. Amen? But then they opened the books. And think about this. I, I wonder if anybody at that judgment really has hope. Because the Bible says they're trying to run away from him. Okay, if you will. And yet, it really doesn't matter what's in the books. Uh, please take this the right way. Has anybody ever read um, the autobiography of uh, Mother Teresa? Mother Teresa. Nobody's ever read it? I will tell you this. It's a disturbing book in this sense. That think about, she dedicated her whole life to charity and acts of service. Okay? But even in her own writing, even in her own tongue, if you will, she hoped to go to heaven. She knew that all those wonderful works that she did wasn't good enough, folks. Isn't that terrible? There's going to be some people there who've done some tremendous things for their neighbor and for humanity. And, and they're going to get read, but it's really not going to matter because then they're just going to have that one last book. You guys know it as the book of life, amen. And, and he's going to take and he's going to look down the list and he's going to say, I don't see your name. By the way, they both knew that before they started the judgment, amen. And because their name is not in the book of life, they're going to be ultimately judged and ultimately cast into the lake of fire. And how tragic, how tragic. I don't know about you, but if I was ever found guilty of a heinous crime, I'd be looking for a plea deal. Amen? And in a sense, that's what salvation is. It's a plea deal. Lord, I don't want to go to hell. What can we do? Well, you can accept my gift of grace. Amen? Okay, and so if you will, we see that Jesus, of course, uh, like Moses, is the lawgiver, but he is also the judge. But I want you to notice this, that that is the highest court of appeal, okay, but if you will, even here, God gives others to take and do this. Go back to our, excuse me, go back to our text. And uh, notice, if you will, in verse 1, he says, And he said unto Moses, Come up unto the Lord, thou and, and then he says, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu. Now, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, if you will, and then he also talks about the 70 after that. He says, he says, and 70 of the elders of Israel, okay, and worship ye afar off, okay? So that's essentially six members of each tribe, okay? It's essentially six members of each tribe. And so he gives lesser judgment to the 70, and if you will, these take and it, they equate, if you will, with the church. Are we given judgment? Has God as our lawgiver, and by the way, is Jesus a lawgiver? We just saw that. Has he given us stewardship over his laws, over his word? And the answer to that is clearly yes, okay? But where? Uh, go to the book of Matthew, if you will, and I'll show you where, okay? Go to the book of Matthew and look at chapter uh, 16. Matthew chapter 16. And look at verse uh, 19. And he's talking to Peter and the apostles here. He's talking, if you will, to the church. All right, because this is who the church is at the time. When once Jesus called his apostles, I believe that's when the church started. Okay, and so if you will, in verse nineteen, he says, "And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven." By the way, that's not giving the keys to Peter. That's giving keys to the church. Okay, give them to all of them. 
All right? And the Bible says, And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Folks, get a hold of that. What he's saying is, I've given you authority to take and execute my laws. Meaning what? Well, think about this. Does, does the church have authority to determine who's a member? We do that whenever somebody joins, right? We'll say, uh, how can a person join? How can a person join a church? Well, the answer is uh, they get saved. And then if we baptize them, by the way, before we baptize them, do we vote on them? And so what we're doing is we're saying, uh, uh, we accept this person's testimony that they trust Christ as their Savior. Amen? And by the way, has the has church ever denied baptism to somebody who says, I'm saved, I, I want to be baptized? Has anybody ever denied it? Everyone's getting real nervous here. <laughs> the answer is yes. Yes, we've had people come and say, hey, I want to be baptized. I, I told you the story early on that we used to have a, 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 a nursing home ministry over here, and we had a lady that uh, wanted to be baptized, and, and she was just earnest, man. She was excited. She sat over here. I still remember her. And, and, uh, and, and man, she was excited to be in church, and, and, and she says, I want to get baptized. I said, have you ever trusted Jesus as your Savior? Yes, I, I'm saved. I, I, I know I'm going to heaven when I die. By the way, good testimony? Amen? But because she was in the nursing home, I said, you know, I better call her, uh, somebody help me with the word, her, her guardian. I better call her guardian. And, uh, and so I did. I called her guardian, and it was her daughter. And I said, uh, ma'am, your mother has presented herself for baptism in our church, and we'd just like to know if, if it's okay. Please take this the right way. If a child came, we'd ask the parent, wouldn't we? And so I called her, and, and, and she, she said, Pastor, if you want to baptize her, baptize her. But she's been baptized eight times. And she had a hang-up about religion, okay? And, uh, and so I said, okay, we won't. And so I told the church, I said, we're, we're not going to baptize her, and everybody understood. You all understand? Sometimes a child will come, and, and a parent will express concern. and say they, they say they're saved, but we're just not sure they're ready. And say, okay, well, we won't vote on them. Okay? We, a, amen? And so, if you will, when the Bible says, what we bind here will be bound in heaven. Well, let's talk about church membership. Can we take and remove somebody the same way? Hey, you're not walking right. And you take two more and say, hey, you need to repent. And they won't do that. So you bring them before the church and say, hey, we need you to repent. No. Okay, we'll, we'll have to remove you from the church. And the Bible says this, that what you bound on earth, God will bind in heaven. Listen, folks, take this the right way. But that ought to be a grave responsibility to all of us. And I will say this. The sad truth is, Churches, fewer and fewer churches are exercising discipline. Amen. And the corollary to that is fewer and fewer churches actually have membership roles. Why? Because if you have a membership role, you have to maintain the role with discipline. And they don't want to take in discipline. And please take this the right way. The sad truth is many churches today have thrown their hands up and say, we're not going to do God's business. Can I just tell you something? They're going to answer for that someday. The church is going to answer for it. The individuals are going to answer for it. Because God took and he said this. He says, listen, I'm in charge. Follow me. But I've taken, I've given Moses for your prophet. And now I've taken, I've given you these priests. Follow them. And I've given you the 70. You're responsible to take and to follow them. Responsible. Amen. 
Why? Because if you don't follow them, we're going to bring it up the ladder. And by the way, ultimately, the last court of appeal is God himself. Okay. So even in the Old Testament, we see that God has taken, he gave a, a judgment to the 70 and to the church. And then folks, to us as saints in the millennium, uh, just for sake of time, if you want to look at it, Matthew chapter 19 and verse 28, the Bible says this, and we're so close, just turn there. Matthew 19, verse 28, the Bible says, And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And so he says, you apostles, you're going to be judging in the millennium. Okay? I'm going to take, and listen, Jesus is sitting on the throne, and yet he takes and he turns lower level offenses to others. Okay? Uh, notice, if you will, 1 Corinthians 6. This will be good for you to see. 1 Corinthians 6. First Corinthians 6, look at verse uh, 2. And this, this is uh, Paul asking a rhetorical question. Why can't you discipline in the church? <laughs> okay, he's, he's, uh, chapter 5 is discipline, okay? He said, why can't you do this? He says in verse 2, he says, Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? You all see that? The Bible says the saints are going to judge the world. He says, and if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Amen. He's, he's rebuking them. You, he's rebuking them for not doing church discipline. Okay. And, and so if you will, verse 3 says, know ye not that we shall judge, what's the Bible say? Angels. Amen. How much more do things to pertain to this life? Say, pastor, explain that to me. I don't know that I can explain it to you. I can define it to you. <laughs> I don't know that I can explain it to you. Amen. But that's what the Bible says we're going to be doing. And so God, if you will, uh, is, of course, uh, the judge. And then he's passed that down to Moses. And if you will, then he passes it down even further uh, down the line uh, in responsibility. A responsibility we need to understand we actually have a part in. Okay. And so if you will, you see the prophet there. The second thing that we see back in our text is the priesthood. Now, in uh, Exodus chapter 24 and verse 1, it talks about Moses. Of course, he's the prophet. But then it talks about Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu. And these, of course, are the priests. And if you will, Aaron was the high priest. And the high priest, if you will, is a type of Christ as our mediator, meaning one who can go to God for us, okay? If you think about it, they would bring their sacrifice, and if they will, if you will, then the high priest, he would ultimately be responsible for taking and applying the blood, okay? And so, if you will, he went from the sinner, if you will, to the Savior or, 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 or God. And so, if you will, the Bible describes this office in, in Job chapter 9 and verse 33. It's, it's a verse I use a lot. The Bible says, uh, Job said, there was no daysman betwixt us that he may put his hand upon both of us, Okay? Now, think about this for a second. But uh, Abraham was a friend of God. And the Bible says that God had a unique relationship with Moses in that he didn't speak to other men the way he spoke to Moses because Moses, he spoke to him face to face. Amen. And so, if you will, he's saying, listen, Moses has an intimacy with me. Moses has an ability to connect with me that nobody else has. Amen. And so, if you will, by definition, Moses could put his hand on God. Y'all see that? Uh, and then uh, uh, he could take and put his hand on the people. 
but he can't do it all. So he says, Aaron, you're going to take and minister in that priest capacity, that same picture. One who can get in contact with God, but is also in contact with the people. Now, you can take it and you can say, well, that's wonderful for them. No, no, no. Folks, I hope you're seeing this. These things apply to us. I want you to think about this. In some way, a daysman is somebody who is a mutual friend. A mutual friend. And what I mean by that is they're friends with so-and-so, all right? But they're also friends with you, all right? Now help me now here. Is anybody here a friend with God? A few of us. Anybody here a friend with God? Because the Bible says that even Jesus invites us. He says, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant knoweth not what his master doeth, but I have called you friends. Amen? Folks, you know, it's a wonderful thing when you think you're somebody's friend. You know what I'm talking about? Find out later, maybe not. (laughs) You all with me? But you know you're a friend when they say, you're my friend. You're my friend. No, his caveat was, if you do whatsoever I command you, okay? Meaning that we can have a friendly, wonderful relationship if you do what I tell you to do. Amen? And, 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 and it's only conditional in that aspect that you can enjoy the friendship when we're walking right with the Lord. It doesn't change the relationship if we're not walking right. Anybody here ever get out of sorts with a friend? Okay. And, and you can do that, but they're still a friend. Uh, I had a policy in high school that has served me well throughout my life. Okay. And it is this. Never talk bad about somebody's ex-girlfriend. <laughs> I don't know what chapter and verse that is, but uh, the reason for that is this, is they'll ultimately make up, and then you're the odd man out. Well, you talk bad about my girlfriend. Well, yeah, after you did. (laughs) Well, I have that right, you don't. Okay, all right. And so I I learned that early on in my life. And, And so if you will, we can get out of sorts with God. Praise the Lord, we can get back into a right relationship with him. But we see here, Nadab and Abihu here, we see Aaron being the high priest. He was that daysman to put his hand upon both. And then Nadab and Abihu, who were priests, who assisted the high priest. Okay? Now, I want to use an expression here. Anybody here ever use the expression, I know a guy? I guess all the mechanics in here just laughed. <laughs> okay? You guys ever use the expression, I know a guy? And what are, what are you telling somebody when you tell somebody, I know a guy? Hey, you need some help. I know a guy. Okay? Meaning what? I have a relationship with, with somebody who can help you. Okay? Or a mechanic or a banker or whatever, you know. And, and, and so you're, you're literally saying, hey, I have a relationship. I know a guy. Well, folks, I'm not trying to be too familiar here. But please take this the right way. We live in a world full of desperate people who need hope. And they need to know Jesus. And we literally, because we know them, have one hand on them. You guys got it? And then we literally can say, I know a guy. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to God. I just want you to understand the metaphor. You all understand that? And so you're literally saying this, I know you, and I know you, and I could put you two together if you want me to. Folks, do you understand how important it is for us to understand our role as priests? See, the Bible tells us that Israel was a nation of kingdom, uh, was a kingdom of priests, amen? And, and the Bible tells us in Revelation that we are kings and priests, amen? And so if you will, what God tells us that we have a priesthood, okay? Uh, 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 one of the terms theologically is we're a priesthood of believers, amen? And so if you will, we know Christ, 
and we're also walking in the world. Now, we're not the high priest. Jesus Christ is the high priest. Amen? But we're priests. And we can take and we can put these people here in touch with that person there. Okay? Uh, by the way, we say this quite often. Can a person get saved without somebody telling them about Jesus? And the answer is no. Okay? You either have to give them a Bible or you have to give them a track or you have to give them a witness. Amen? But somehow you've got to take and put this person who doesn't know God in contact with the one you know. Amen? And so we are a priesthood of believers. Would to God we understood the importance of that role. You see, not all of us are, if you will, if you, what we consider in, uh, in leadership, but hopefully all of us are in relationship. And by the way, why did Nadab and Abihu have their job? I would tell you this, it wasn't because of their character. And I would tell you this, uh, even Aaron, it wasn't because of his character. It was because who they were related to. Was anything special about us? I tell you, only because now are we become the sons of God. And we have a relationship with him. Amen. Uh, there's nothing special about us, but there's something special, something special about the one we're, we're related to. You all understand? And so we see Nadab and Abihu. Um, in a sense, priests are people who know the Lord and can boldly come into his throne, throne room to make a petition. You remember, if you will... Esther said, pray for me, because if I go into the throne room and he doesn't stick out his scepter, I could die. You realize that it, 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 was, it, was, it was terrifying to think about going in front of the king. Why? Because he was the ultimate judge. And the ultimate judge could put you to death. You all with me? Okay. And, and so she says, pray that he, he puts it. But what's the Bible tell us in the book of Hebrews? That we are to boldly come unto the throne of grace in time of need you realize listen god is saying this you're a priest and i know you and there's a relationship and you can come boldly when nobody else can come how many of y'all think there's people in your life that need prayer any people in your life that need jesus any people in your life you could make a difference if you could just get them in contact with the one you know Folks, we need to realize that we have that priest's relationship, so we have that priest's responsibility. Amen? As Christians, we're priests for those all around us. How do I know that? Go to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. And God is speaking to us as believers here. Revelation chapter 1. And look at, verse, uh, look at verse 5, please. And the Bible says, And from Jesus, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. The Bible says God has made us kings and priests. God has made us kings and priests. Folks, get a hold of this. This is not just the duty or the opportunity of your pastor. I'm going to stop and have a Selah moment, folks. You say, well, I'll get my pastor to pray for you. Why? They might not even know me. I'll have my church pray for you. 
Oh, okay. Please take this the right way. I, th I think that we need to have the boldness and the understanding that we could look deep into somebody's eyes and say, listen, I know the Lord, and I want you to know I'm going to go, and I'm going to go talk to him for you. Amen? Whatever their need is, salvation or, or deliverance or whatever, amen? And you can take and understand the fact he made me a priest, and so he invites me to come into his presence, amen? And it's not just the pastor's job. Notice how, if you will, God is by design, if you will, delegating authority all the way down to the individual believer. Amen. And so we see here, uh, it's not just, a, not just a pastor's duty, okay? Uh, notice also that uh, all believers have this opportunity, okay? So they also have this ministry. Uh, think, that, think about this. Each and every one of us in this room might be somebody's I know a guy. Okay? Now, how many of y'all honestly have done a lot of business just because somebody gave you a good reference? Okay? Now, I haven't said that. I've made some mistakes because of that. <laughs> Amen? But isn't it nice when you get a good reference from somebody? Okay? And so, if you will, you could be somebody's, I know a guy as a soul winner, as an intercessory prayer partner, and also as an unknown prayer warrior. Meaning what? Folks, people don't have to ask you to pray for them. You can pray for them anyway. Amen? I will promise you this. There's nothing more satisfying as a Christian than to see somebody finally get victory over something in their life. And, uh, and, they, and they give you their testimony. And, and you don't have to tell them. But deep inside you can say, man, I've been praying for you. Amen? And having had an impact as a priest. A priest as a believer. Last thing that we see, we see the Lord's leaders are the prophet, the priesthood, and then the peacemakers. It's interesting what he says here back in our text. Who are these people here, the 70? Okay. Well, the 70, if you will, the 70 elders of Israel, they were, they were leaders in their own communities, if you will. And ultimately, they became the Sanhedrin. Okay. You guys have heard that the Sanhedrin, that's the Jewish leadership in the time of Christ. And the Sanhedrin literally means the 70, okay? And so it's the council of the 70. And so that's, that's, that's where they got that. God says you need 70 leaders to take and to be in charge of Israel. And so we have our form of government. They have their form of government. Their form of government was a prophet, a priest, and then the 70, okay? Ultimately, the king, but you remember, God was their king, amen, until they insisted on having a human king, and then he gave them a human king, okay? And, and so if you will... We see that judgment then is given to them. All right? You say, well, we're not judges. Yeah, you are. Does the Bible tell us to judge ye therefore righteous judgment? And so, if you will, we are, uh, uh, judge not that you be not judged. And you say, oh, God. the next verse says, for with what measure ye meet, it should be added unto you. Meaning this, when you're judging, and it is your job to do that, make sure you're not a hypocrite about it. If you're going to judge others, make sure you judge yourself. Amen. And so, if you will, uh, God gives us, if you will, the ministry and the stewardship of judging. Uh, go to uh, Exodus chapter 18, look at verse 21. I'll show you this group here. Exodus 18 and verse 21. And the Bible says, Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and shall place them over, uh, place over them to be rulers of thousands, and rulers of hundreds, and rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them, what's the Bible say? Judge the people. 
at all seasons. Amen. And so if you will, you, Jesus Christ, of course, being the supreme court, if you will, we talked about that. And, and, and then you have the lower courts. But if you will, what's the lowest court that we have? And think about this. Uh, if, if you know Andy Griffith, you'll know. What did you say? Civil's a very good guess. Civil court's a very good guess. But the justice of the peace. Okay? And by the way, that's exactly what they are. Because if you read all the way down, the Bible says that they would keep the peace. Okay, I'll show you that verse here in a moment. All right. And so if you will, uh, when, by the way, when properly appointed, this system worked. Men of character, men of integrity, people who wouldn't take a bribe, people who love the Lord, put them in charge. By the way, is that the kind of people we have in positions of power today? Folks, I'll have you know that the political system has been infiltrated on purpose by people of low character to take and to destroy our society. Amen. Okay. Uh, they're intentionally putting people in power so that they, if you will, can pervert truth and justice and society. Amen. And the Bible tells us when that happens, you'll have women and children ruling over you. Now, please take this the right way. Just in maturity, we have women and children ruling over us. And the Bible says it's a shame to a nation to be in that state. Okay. Well, that's kind of the situation when Jesus was on the earth. You see, whenever people are improperly appointed, okay, they're not people of character, they're not people of faith, they will take bribes. And by the way, do politicians take bribes? How do people with no money end their careers as near billionaires? Amen. Because they're all on government salaries, help me now. <laughs> Amen. So how in the world do they make that much money? I'll tell you why, because they take money to blind their eyes. Amen. And what has that led to in our society? I'll tell you, it leads to the same society that Jesus was in. Would you go to John chapter 11? I'll go fast here. John chapter 11. In John chapter 11, look at verse 47. The Bible says, Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. By the way, are miracles bad? Miracles are good? Did a good person do the miracle? Amen. Okay, I'll just see if we're on the same page. The Bible says, if we, that, if we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. Folks, I've followed politics a long time. I, I've, I've just, I wanted to be a politician at one time, believe it or not, and, and so I've followed it for a long time. Can I tell you this? Any human being in our system today who wants to do what's right and have godly character in that office will be destroyed by the enemies who are against them. I was talking with a, a preacher yesterday, and he was talking about a bill they were trying to pass in... Uh, in Colorado, uh, uh, they were just trying to give rights to an unborn child. And by the way, an unborn child's still a child. Well, they were doing that, and they said their group raised $30,000 to try to get this bill passed, got 100,000 people on the ballot, and the opposition spent $3 million to have it defeated. 
please take this the right way. Why wouldn't you want to give an unborn child some rights? Come on. Folks, my whole point is this, and I, I'm not going to give you more illustrations. But folks, we live in a world today where if anybody wants to take and live right and do right, people evil against them will take and destroy them. Amen. You can watch it in your news every night because it's happening right before your face. It's happening right before your face, amen. Anybody who's trying to stand up and do right. Well, folks, think about this. What is the impact in the world that we live today? And by the way, the reason they were so against Jesus is Herod, Annas, and Caiaphas were all unqualified for the offices they held. All of them were. They were unqualified. And so that's why they hated Jesus so much, and he had to be destroyed and had to be removed. The modern equivalent of that would be unsaved preachers and teachers. Amen? Women pastors? Gay ministers? And what would they say about people like us? Who, who want to say, hey, show me in the Bible. Amen? What would they say? Oh, you're a Bible thumper. Oh, you just hate everybody. You're misogynistic. You're, you're homophobic. I'm, I'm none of those things. I'm going to say amen to myself. I'm none of those things. But I tell you what I do. I love Jesus and I love his word. Amen? And so I'm going to judge, therefore, righteous judgment. And all of us have been given that responsibility, if you will. And so essentially, if you will, they were justices of the peace. Look at verse 23 back. I, I had that text. I didn't show it to you. Uh, Exodus chapter 18. Uh, look at verse 23. The Bible says this. It says, uh, If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so... Then thou shalt be able to endure, and all the people shall go to their place. What's the Bible say? In peace. Okay? And so they literally, they are uh, justices of the peace. Okay? By the way, the church's equivalent for this, we've kind of talked about the different equivalents. Okay? Well, the equivalence is, Moses says, I can't run the whole nation. I need some help. Okay? Well, please take this the right way. What, what, what role is that in the church? Well, folks, it's the deacon. And, and by the way, deacon means a servant. Can I say this? Some people might hold the office of deacon, but how many of y'all think that we all need to be servants? Amen? We all need to be servants, if you will. And what was the purpose of the servant? You know this, but in Acts chapter 6, you can turn there if you want to. But the, the, the purpose of servants in the church early on was so that, if you will, that the, the preachers could give themselves to the word of God. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Acts chapter 6 and verse 2, listen, we, we can't serve tables. We don't have time for that. We must give ourselves to the word of God. And so search yourself out seven good men, good report, and we'll take and we'll appoint them over this duty, this service, if you will. And, 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 and then that way we can take that off our plate and we can give ourselves to the word of God. And then in verse 4, he says this. He, he says in, in, in verse 4, if you will, that we could also give ourselves to prayer. Meaning what? We'll, we'll intercede in the spiritual things. You take care of the physical things. You take care of the physical things. We'll take care of the spiritual things, okay? Now, by the way, what is the benefit to everybody giving themselves over to these ministries? Now, listen, I'm out of time. But, folks, it's not just this church. Every church suffers from a lack of servants. I'm going to say amen. Every church, Okay? And if you've ever heard the 80-20 rule, it applies in every organization you've ever been in. 80% of the work will be done by 20% of the people. It's just that way. 
But how many of y'all have also heard this? Many hands make for light work. And so everybody, if everybody could just understand, listen, there is a lot to doing the work of the house of God. And the Bible says because of that, if you will, that the church prospered and blessed and grew and many were added to the body. And why is that? Well, I'll tell you why. If everybody's watching one to seven to 15 people work, y'all understand? Can I just tell you, those 15 people are going to get tired. Amen. Folks, honestly, can you be honest with me and I'll be done. How many of y'all know people who are just burned out with serving the Lord? Just burned out. Well, please take this the right way. If everybody could just do a little. If everybody could just do their part. You see, God has showed us that we have roles in all these areas. And I just encourage you to go back and study them for yourself. If you want the notes, I'd be glad to give them to you. And we are dismissed.